How you design your day can impact your mood, productivity, and general well-being. But the most important thing to keep in mind is that these decisions must be personal. What's best for your body's natural rhythms might differ greatly from mine. As author Gretchen Rubin writes in one of my favorite books of hers, quote, to shape our habits successfully, we must know ourselves, end quote. We're all unique, and while I believe that bringing mindful intention to how we structure our workday can be helpful to all of us, how you end up structuring it should be entirely based on what feels best for you. For me, I like to get started the day before, especially on Sunday nights when looking at the week ahead. I sit down with my life tracker planner and review my biggest meetings, events, and deliverables for the week ahead. Midweek, I do the same thing, taking special note of any meetings that I have on the docket the next day, which I almost always schedule for the afternoon. This allows me to preserve the mornings for the hardest work I do, creating original content like this podcast, writing reports or preparing workshops and speeches for my corporate clients, or preparing for an upcoming Bossed Up Bootcamp. I've found mornings to be the best time for my productivity and creativity, so I do my best to schedule whatever calls and meetings need to happen for the next day for the afternoon. When I start my day, I look at all the items on my to-do list and my planner and come up with what is my number one top priority for the day. What's the most urgent thing that needs to be tackled today? Or what's the biggest, most complex problem that I need to solve today? That is where I begin. I try to capitalize on the fresh start effect at the beginning of the day and tackle the biggest challenges I'm facing first. But I'll admit, it does not always work. As something of a recovering perfectionist myself, I have to resist the temptation to procrastinate because I don't feel 100% ready to start. Instead, I try to dive in headfirst and take on the top priority of the day right away. Sometimes that means asking for help from my advisors, peers, or mentors when I'm feeling unsure of myself or stuck. And this brings me to another strategy I picked up from one of my first managers and have found to be incredibly helpful over the years. Make sure that you're not the bottleneck. At the start of each day, I look at my to-do list and look for opportunities to delegate. Do I need to get my tax accountant an updated profit and loss statement for them to prepare my quarterly tax payments? Must I record a podcast introduction to get it to my production assistant, Curvy, or my editor so they can finalize the episode? Or should I hop on the phone quickly with an incoming feature trainer for Boss Up Bootcamp in order to give her the info she needs to get me the materials that I need from her? Whenever I am the bottleneck that's holding a project up from moving forward, I aim to prioritize those items and give others the tools they need to help me get stuff done. And that also means giving my team members whatever they need to get them up and running on their work too. Delegate first and it's like you're multiplying your productivity. And listen, I am far from perfect when it comes to being a taskmaster who is always on top of these things, but I've learned over the years not to beat myself up when I catch myself procrastinating. Instead, I try to give myself permission to be what I call a productive procrastinator. 
For instance, when I catch myself mindlessly scrolling through social media, I can recognize that clearly my brain needs a break. So instead of beating myself up about it and trying to force myself back into worker bee mode, I'll get up and clean my kitchen or do a load of laundry or call my mom. Maybe I'll get inspired to make the bed or get dinner going in the slow cooker. I consider these chores a form of productive procrastination, a way to avoid real work and give my brain a break while still getting things done that need to get done eventually. Now listen, I recognize that a lot of that is what comes with the privilege of working from home most days when I'm not on the road for days on end, but this can apply to others too. Get up from your desk and make that doctor's appointment you've been meaning to. Call your relatives who you know you should be checking in with more anyway. Or start planning an upcoming vacation. Whatever it is, productive procrastination is going to leave you feeling more energized and less guilty about avoiding work than the more mindless, passive forms of procrastination. And finally, I'm the kind of person who could easily, accidentally keep working late into the evening most nights. In fact, when Brad's got a big project or deadline that he's working towards, we'll both go through those phases and regularly eat dinner at 9 p.m. in our house as a result. But one way that I've found to curb my endless workday habit is to schedule fun evening plans as much as I can. As someone who's childless and doesn't have a family dinner to get home to every night, Making evening plans has been key to motivating me to get my work done. Earlier this year, I wrote about the joy of midweek dinner dates with friends, which I try to make happen as often as possible. Otherwise, I try to register myself for industry happy hours and other weeknight events to get my eyes off the screens and actually converse with real human beings at the end of the day. When I've got something fun on the docket in the evening, it majorly boosts my productivity between the hours of 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. as opposed to my usual end-of-day slog. So I want to hear from you. How do you design your day for maximum productivity? I'd love to hear your tips for sustainable success and what's worked or hasn't worked for you in the comments section at today's blog post, which you can find at bossedup.org episode 71. 